I love titles, as you probably know. So you'll figure this out in a minute. What's a woman like you doing in a place like this? I worked all week on that title. <laughs> and you'd say, man, if you worked as much on a lesson as you worked on your title, it'd really be good. But that's not true. I, I, I don't work on it that much. But I do like titles. The, let me read you a couple of things. The Man God Uses by a guy named Henry Blackaby. Don't think that your background is too rebellious, too difficult, or too sinful for God to use you. If you've been guilty of deceit, robbery, hatred, racism, adultery, murder, or rebellion, you are in the same company as Moses, David, Paul, Abraham, Jacob, and others. God doesn't take you, now listen to this, God doesn't take you just the way you are. He takes you in spite of the way you are. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Uh, yeah, some of you are saying, well, I'm a pretty good guy. No, you're not really. We're all about the same place. Okay, he takes your willing heart, regardless of its past, and creates a new heart, one that seeks after God. When that happens, you will notice God who's working, doing the work, and not you. That's good. All right, now this one's a little lighter, but it's, it's true. Can God use you? I wonder if you've ever thought that. Can God use me? You know, I'm... You know, I am 60 years old, or I'm 70-something years old, or I'm 90 years old, or I'm 40 years old. It doesn't matter. Can God use you? Listen to this. It's a tribute to a guy named John Thomas Oakes. I have no idea who that is. But the next time you feel like God can't use you, just remember the following. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, that's our lesson today, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Jonah ran from God, Ruth was a cursed foreigner, Job went bankrupt, John the Baptist ate bugs, Peter denied Christ, the disciples fell asleep while praying, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul murdered Christians. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> you get the point? I think that covered every base that we could possibly think of. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Now, last week, I, we couldn't get this up. This is a picture of the oldest copy of Matthew chapter 1 in existence. This is a picture of the what's called Papyrus 1, written about, they believe, it, was, well, it has been dated to about 250 A.D., so, you know, 100 and, uh, a little over 100 years, 150 years or so after it was written. This is in Greek. And what we're reading today, this is housed at the museum at the University of Pennsylvania, and what we're reading today is this. Isn't that amazing? So I just thought I'd show you that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, we've been reading through this genealogy because we're picking out these everyday heroes. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was, underline it, everybody say it, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab all right. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth. That's next Sunday. 
Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David. You go on down, of course, and then you come up with, in verse 16, Jesus, who is called the Christ and his genealogy. And we've talked about these women. and We have a genealogy chart that shows this. But if you look at it, and John, you know, you know, sort of piled this up a little bit and made it look a little more interesting. But you have, see where Ruth is over there? She actually comes from the cursed group of the Moabites, makes it into the genealogy. Tamar, we talked about last week. I promise I'm never going to talk about that one again in Sunday morning. I think it was good, and we did that. But as several of you noted, and I think it was Terry that got me right after. He said, I got to admit, I've never heard a sermon on that before. You know, <laughs> I haven't either, Terry. And I don't pick them. I just teach them. Okay? But it was a good, it was a good story. Tamar, you see, Perez, then Salmon, who ends up marrying who? Rahab. Rahab, Rahab is, our, is our, our guest uh, character today. You'll learn a lot about Rahab. She's one of five women in the genealogy, four plus Mary. And we've already talked about Bathsheba, who was the mother of Solomon. And, and of course, you, you don't remember the history. So my question is, when I look at this, along with some of the other people there, how did she get there? Why, why does she get to be in the line of Christ? Um... It's interesting. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read one verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. Now, some, some guys will take... This is all based on Joshua chapter 2. You know that. I, I'm sure you know that. If you don't, write it down somewhere. Go read the story. I meant to send a note out. I forgot. But the whole story of Joshua chapter 2, we're not going to read the story of Rahab and the spies. We're going to tell a little bit about it, but we're not going to read through it. But she's mentioned in the New Testament. We're going to show three places. We're going to see all of them today. But by faith, what's spe- let me stop here for a second. What's special about Hebrews chapter 11? Anybody know? It's a chapter on faith. Some people call it the hall of faith. And because it just says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, on and on and on through the whole chapter. And there's two women in that by faith chapter. One is Sarah, Abraham's wife, and the other is verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. By what? By faith. All right. So... If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, which we're not going to take time to do, but who's in there? Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samson, David, so on, so on, so on. You know, all the ones you remember seeing on flannel graph when you were a little kid. That's the people who were in this. Everybody except Clint, you didn't see it when you were a little kid. Flannel graph, right over its head, right there. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here with us. You keep me young, see? And, and nobody really knows that you're 72. You just, nobody really knows that. Okay, now, 
So I look at the hall of faith with all these guys, and my question is pretty simple. goes to my title. What's a woman like you doing in this chapter? So we're going to find out today. We're going to do something a little different. And we're going to act this out just a little bit. We're going to have Rahab. Is it, we're going to question, we're going to depose Rahab. And we're going to depose her and find out I'm going to be Rahab. I thought about having one of you guys be Rahab. But I said, that's not good. You know, and I said to Sally, I, you know, you wouldn't want to be Rahab, would you? And she goes, no, I don't think so. I don't think I want to be Rahab. So I'm going to be Rahab. So there's obviously no connection there. You, you can't. Okay. So I'm going to be Rahab. We're going to see why did you get into the position you got into? Why are you included in the line of the genealogy of Jesus? And why... Are you included in the hall of faith? How does that happen? So we're going to have our, our life group lawyer, our attorney, who's going to question Rahab and find out all about and find out if she's qualified to be in the hall of faith and to be in the genealogy of Jesus. All right? So uh, Dennis is going to play Dennis. Hopefully that won't be too difficult for Dennis. All right, De Dennis is going to ask me questions, and I'm going to be Rahab, all right? I'm going to be Rahab, and so, Dennis, you can really stand anywhere. I'm in the witness box as Rahab, and the attorney's going to see what are my qualifications to be in the Hall of Faith, all right? Okay, shoot. Do you need to be sworn? <laughs> Okay. No, because I have to lie saying that I'm Rahab, so. <laughs> what is your name? My name is Rahab. And what is your occupation? Uh, my occupation was a prostitute. Where did you live just prior to the destruction of Jericho? I lived in Jericho, and I actually lived, there's the walls that are there, the way they're built. I actually built, had a home built into the wall of Jericho. Did two Hebrew spies come to your home? Yes, two Hebrew spies did come to my home at one point. What did the king of Jericho tell you? Well, the king of Jericho says, I know that two Hebrew spies are in your house. Now, I don't know how the king knew that, but he found out. He told me that I need to, I need to bring the spies out so that he could, he could take care of that situation. And what did you tell him? I told him, I said, well, they were there, and I didn't know where they were from, but then they left. They're already gone, and right before the gates were closed at dusk, they got out and snuck out. I had no idea they were spies. I have all kinds of people coming in, so they left, and so they're gone. And was what you told him true? Uh, no. And, and where were the spies? The spies were still uh, at my house. Before the spies went to sleep that night, what did you say to them? Well, I tell you what I did. I, I took them up on the roof, and I said, I'm going to hide you guys here underneath the bundles of flax, and uh, you're going to hide there so that they won't find you. But what I did is I told them, I said, look, I know that the Hebrews have come out of Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea, and I know that once they cross the Red Sea, then they, they become mighty and powerful. 
and that God has used them. And I actually believe that your God is the supreme God and that your God will lead the Hebrews into this land and will overtake us all and destroy us all. But I believe that he's the supreme God of the universe. So did you become a believer in the God of the Hebrews? Yes, I did. And why was that? Well, I, you know, I believe that what I saw was, I believe that God was your God, now my God, was greatly blessing and influencing the, the, the lives and the work of the Hebrews. And you know, I, I, I believe that your God actually in some way spoke to my heart and led you to me so that I could help you. Was there any risk associated with that decision? Yeah, my decision was to help them and to hide them. But, you know, I'd made the deal that if I hid, if I hid them, that they would protect me and my family. But I really believe that if I got caught, I have no idea. I, mean, I, have no, I know absolutely that the king would have taken my life and all of my family's life. And this deal you made with the Hebrew spies, was that just for you and your family or were others included? It was, it was for me and it was for my family, for my mother, for my father, for my brothers, for my sisters and all, their, and all of their family as well. And what happened to Jericho? Well, Jericho, after we saw the Hebrews marching around and around and around and around, and I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just knew it wasn't good. And then... Jericho, the walls came down, and the armies came in, and it was destroyed. And did the Hebrews keep their promise to you? Yes, they did. They kept their promise, and they spared me and my family. And how did they know where you were when they attacked? Well, they told me that if I would let down a, a scarlet cord out the window, that when they came, that the armies would see that. And if I wouldn't tell where they were, then they would rescue me and my family, but they would recognize me and they would recognize where my family is by that scarlet cord hanging out the window. And afterward, where did you go to live? Afterward, I went with the, uh, with the uh, Israelites to their camp and lived outside the camp, but lived with them for the rest of my life. And did you get remarried, get a I husband? Did. Who was your husband? My husband was Salmon. And how about your son? Who was that? Well, I married Salmon, and then we had a son, and that son was Boaz. And who became your grandson as a result of that? And Boaz and married Ruth. They had a son, and that son was Obed. Thank you. All right. That's who Rahab was. Now, let's... Thank you, Dennis. Rahab... Now let's talk about Jericho for a moment. So just so you know, if you go to the Holy Land, and, and we saw we were in Jericho three years ago, just a little bit past this time. Jericho is right over, you see the little river there, that's the Jordan River that goes down into the Dead Sea from the Sea of Galilee. And, the, and Jericho's right over the river. So we were, the Israelites were camped over on the other side they sent the spies over and to look at the area to see what's going on, and they saw 
Jericho, and that's where this, the, all this took place. You see Jericho is just above Jerusalem and everything. Jericho is a very dry area. I think we have a couple of pictures. This is what you see today when you go. This is just part of the thing. Jericho is one of the oldest continually inhabited cities in the world. It does have the oldest protective wall of any city in the world. It is the most excavated site in Israel other than Jerusalem. So when you go there, it's very interesting. It contains, for sure, you know, all the archaeologists have told us this, and not just, and, and, and not just Christians that go, these are just scientists, that there was at least 26 separate layers of occupation over the, uh, that they've uncovered in their excavation. The thing that fascinated Sally and I so much when we were there was you, you come to, you say, well, are the walls of Jericho that fell down, are they there? Well, obviously they fell down, so they're not standing. Now, most of you figured that out, but the walls of Jericho, so how do we know, okay, this is really cool. They take you to one part, and this was excavated in recent history. They excavated these large jars of grain, and that after, and there's pottery and everything, it's been dated, they know that the grain was standing there during a time of battle, but it wasn't a siege where it was, you know, they went out, it was obviously by surprise, they went out, got all their grain, everything, they got the grain ready, and all of a sudden, boom, something happened. They dated that, you know, with all their scientific measure and some of the pottery they found in the strata that you can see, and they dated that to around 1400 B.C. And if you go to the Bible chronology, you can put the Exodus at 1446 B.C. And so about 40 years later, after they were out and so on, guess what happened? Jericho, the walls of Jericho came down. And it's interesting to see what was there and the signs of what happened that validate so many and vet so many of the things that are spoken of so clearly in Scripture. So that's just a little bit about Jericho. Now the other part of Jericho was we were there on a record heat day. It was 104 degrees and 90% humidity. And so I saw Jericho and I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll study it when I get back to my hotel room. Uh, but that was uh, Jericho. Anyway, this is where all of this happened. And so Rahab, Rahab to me, her story is clear. It's easy to understand. Rahab was doomed, right? She was doomed. She was in a pagan country, cursed by God, destined to die. She was in a, an unholy occupation, and yet she declared her faith when she heard of the Lord in capital, capital letters, Yahweh. When she heard of the Lord, she demonstrated her faith, and then she, del she was delivered from death. Now, if that's not a perfect example of salvation, I don't know what is. That's what happens. You're... We're doomed. We're, we, we de we're, God draws us. We declare our faith in Him by receiving Him as Savior. He, he, I, we demonstrate our faith, which we show in the next passage, and then we're delivered to live for Him 
and delivered for eternity with him. That's, that's a pretty good example of salvation. So what makes her an everyday hero? And I'll say this quickly. She helped, number one, she helped God's people overcome their enemies. She helped God's people overcome their enemies. Now, I can say a lot about our relationship to Israel and the Jews at this point. But we only have a couple of minutes left, and so I won't do that. I think it's, it's critical here to notice throughout Scripture, you ought to pick these things up when you're doing your own reading, but you ought to see where how many times God blesses those who bless the Jews. And it is a promise of Scripture. And so I, I see a lot of fighting and, and things that we have in our government, and, and well, that's all we have in our government right now. Um, but you see all of this. And I, I, I pay special note, though, most of it is just, for me, it's just noise. But when I hear something comes up and says, you know, we're not going to support the Jews in this effort or in this effort, then my antenna comes up. And you say, well, why is that? Because I still believe that the Scripture teaches blessing them is important for me to bless the Jews just as God told me to do. And here's an, just a little example of when a, a, a woman, a pagan, Canaanite, idolatry or idol-worshiping woman with a, a less than noble occupation blesses and helps and protects God's chosen people. It works out pretty well for her. Also because she took care of her family. Did you notice that? I guess I've read this. As a matter of fact, the second message is a is a 16-year-old kid that I ever preached was was the the first one was I had 12 pages I preached six minutes. Don't you wish you could be that way today? It, I, the second message was on Rahab. And then I got to tell you, I don't I didn't know much about Rahab. I, I preached on the on the part that where it says, and when we heard of all that God was doing, our heart melted within us. But I never saw, I never paid much attention to the fact that her first concern was her family. She said, let me, i got to bring my family in. Will you take care of my family? That's our everyday hero. But number three, she risked everything based on her faith in God. Everything. She risked her life, her family's life, based on her faith in God. All right, one more passage of Scripture, and I don't think I have this one up. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, if you turn there with me, which is just over a few pages if you left your Bible open in Hebrews. James chapter 2, and let's start it. Just look at verse 18, but this is the famous passage on faith and works. Now you, pa you pair this up with Romans, and you, after you read both of them, you, you understand it. If you, it. It makes a lot of sense. If you try to take it out of context, it doesn't make a lot of sense to you. But if you take it in context with Scripture and even in the context of James, it makes a lot of sense. Now, I would say that in three weeks, three weeks we're going to talk about James, uh, Jeff Waters, who has memorized the book of James, will be speaking about our everyday hero, James, who wrote this. That's neither here nor there, but James wrote this, and there's, there's a lot of question about his book. But let me read verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. 
Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Now, underline that in your Bible. Unless you have a, unless you have, you're looking on a, Carrie, don't underline that, okay, on your uh, screen, all right? Take your pen out, underline that, because it's important. Look at your neighbor and see if they underlined that in their Bible. If they didn't say underline it, it's important. Okay. Uh, I will show you my faith by what I do. It doesn't say, I will get my faith by what I do. Now, you go down the street in some places, that's the, the pastor, minister, or priest, or whatever will stand up and say, you will get your faith if you do so and so and so and so. That's backwards. James was clear, I will show you my faith by what I do. Show being the operative word. You say, well, you believe there's one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. The people in Jericho, she said, Rahab said, they, we all know, we're all afraid of, of the God of, of Israel. They all believed something was going on. But they didn't exercise their faith. Verse 20, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham? All right, now she gets included with Abraham. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. You know, it said way, way earlier in the book of Genesis that Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Then later on, God said, take your son, your only son, take him up and sacrifice him. And he went up there and he was about to offer him his sacrifice and God stopped him and said, wait a second, I've made the sacrifice. He wears the lambs right over here. And God used that as a sacrifice. So he believed and then he acted on his belief, which demonstrated his belief. And the scripture was fulfilled, verse 23, it said, Abraham believed God. Now here, underline this part too. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. It doesn't say that he went and offered Isaac as a sacrifice and that because he did that, it was credited to him for righteousness. And if you're trying to be, get credit for righteousness by what you do, well, I mean, I'm, have you ever heard this before? I think I'm a pretty, you know, you witness, you talk to someone about Jesus and say, do you know Jesus? Do you have Jesus? And they go, well, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. Go to church. I'm a member of XYZ Church. That's sort of like saying I'm a citizen of Jericho. Maybe it's a little better than that. But it's the same principle, right? Because he goes on, he says, and he was called a friend of God. By faith. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. You say, oh, oh, there's the contradiction. Justified by what he does. Who declares you righteous when, when you get saved? When you trust Jesus. Let me just ask. Now, this is, this is not rhetorical. I want you to answer here, okay? So when you get saved, when you bow your head, receive Jesus, and into your, you bow your heart, uh, you may not bow your head, but you bow your heart. You open your heart up to Christ. He comes in. He saves you, redeems you by grace through faith. And you're saved. You're regenerated. He does all of that. And he declares you righteous. Can you see that in somebody else? Can you see that? I mean, I, I, I led... 
our daughters to Christ. And they received Christ as their Savior, and it was a great experience for, for all of us. But I couldn't see that transaction. God saw that transaction. What could I see? I could see that their lives changed. And I could, I could see by their faith, the, the action of their faith, I could see that, and then I could say, well, they must be Christians. Now, let's go ahead. Look at verse 25. Here's the catch. Here's the hook. In the same way was not even who? The what? Yeah, I just want some of you to say that. Some of you, you know, some of you are so sweet and, and, and holy and gracious, you can't even say prostitute. I mean, you know, it's just like we said that in church. I mean, I'm bad. Okay, you're not. The Bible says it, so it's okay. In the same way was not even Rahab, and maybe you'll just do it this way, Rahab the, okay? Rahab the prostitute considered, wasn't she considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Oh, I've got all this faith. I, you know, I got all this faith, but I, you know, it never acts out. It never shows itself. Yes, it does. Believing faith shows itself. That's what the scripture says. So, here's what, look, works, good deeds, not for my salvation, because of my salvation. So I, 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 we're getting the message here about what's she doing in this passage? What's she doing being compared to Abraham? Abraham, I mean, he left everything, the father of the, of the nation of Israel, the Abrahamic covenant, all this good stuff. Has a, they have a child. You know, he's 100 years old. God, miracle happens, and... They have a baby and Isaac and he believes God and he doesn't take his life and God provides a sacrifice and I mean, what a great man of God. The father of the Jews is great. It's just unbelievable. And Rahab. That's odd, isn't it? I mean, that's, but that's the way, that's sort of like he's talking about today when you have this church in India when everybody from every caste is there. Which I'd love to see. And that's the same thing when we stand someday with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're praising Him and rejoicing in Him and I'm holding hands with someone that's of a totally different background and totally different nationality and totally different experience and, and, and coming and, and hearing about Christ and finally becoming a believer. And all of us, and, and look, Rahab is the example that doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter how pagan you are, here's the example that she was saved by faith. And then she exercised that faith and belief. What a great example. So here's the message from the story, I think. God honored Rahab, regardless of the fact that she was a sinner, a prostitute, a pagan, an enemy of God. And by His grace, through her faith, she became a part of the lineage of the Messiah and counted among the great heroes of the faith. Which means God can use even you and me. Amen? Amen. Now let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this great lesson of, that you've given us in Scripture of your grace 
being placed in the, in the very line of Christ. And by faith, accepting you and trusting in you and your revealed will for her life. And then at one point deciding that she would risk it all. Then meeting and marrying into the, to, to the ultimate line of Christ. And ultimately being a grandparent of King David. Just that is amazing. And so we thank you that you, your great unstoppable plan and great unstoppable purpose includes us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.